Well, good morning. It's uh, nice to be back with you again. I'm sorry we, well, we missed one week because of Resurrection Day, but the other week she decided to go someplace else. So uh, ER is not the place to spend uh, Sunday morning. But at any rate, at any rate, uh, this morning we're going to be looking at uh, Hebrews. I started to say Genesis because we're going to spend more time there than we are in Hebrews. But nevertheless, we're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter four, verse or chapter eleven, verse four, and uh, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, about the second human being ever born on the face of the earth, a man by the name of Abel, and uh, he is marked out as the first in the long line of the hall of faith, uh, as chapter eleven has been called. Uh, several other names that they've uh, associated with that. You know, every theologian has to have just a slightly different name for everything. So, you know, that's because he, otherwise he's copying the other guy. So, although there's only so many names you can come up with. So anyway, anyway, but uh, leading up to chapter 11, uh, we, uh, uh, and the first verses of chapter 11, uh, what we had seen is that faith is the is the absolute assurance of the trustworthiness of God put into action. That's pretty much what the uh, first verses of, of chapter 11 told us, and, and, and some of chapter 10 as well. Uh, he, he said, my righteous one shall live by faith. That's, that's, the, that's the, uh, the big issue here. And now he's going to demonstrate, he's going to demonstrate through the lives of individuals from various aspects various time periods uh, of the Old Testament, starting with the antediluvians, those pre-flood people uh, who were some of the first inhabitants of the planet. Uh, he's going to start with them. He's going to move through, uh, through uh, Noah to the post-flood, uh, to the time after the flood. He picks that up. He picks up the time of uh, the time of the uh, 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 of the judges. He picks up the time of of, of the prophets and the, or, or excuse me Moses and the giving of the law, uh, the the t- taking of the land. All of these various people through the time period and the prophets uh, and then or, who are kind of scattered. When he gets there, he doesn't actually name all of them. He names events that happen to him that you can identify with specific prophets as we get there. So that's what he does. These are people who. Who who lived by faith? Uh, that's that's uh, that's that's who he's going to talk about. I, uh, there's one passage that we will get to later on that's probably one of my favorite in Hebrews. It says, "Men of whom the world was not worthy." That's that's God's designation of this list of individuals. So uh, over the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at the men and women who who have gone before us, which is what. What uh, chapter 12, 1 is going to talk about when it talks about the cloud of witnesses. It's talking about all these people that went before us, and they serve as, as a testimony to living by faith. Uh, he's, he's going to, we're going to look at, at these people who, who give us an illustration of what it means uh, to live by faith. And first in that line is Hebrews. Or first in that line in the book of Hebrews is Abel that we find in chapter 11, verse 4. And he's going to give us three statements about Abel. Uh, and I put them this way, uh, that Abel represented true worship, he represented true righteousness, and he represents a true witness. And we're going to look, that's the way we're going to take this verse apart and, and look at it this morning. So before we do, do we have any prayer requests this morning? And I want to thank those of you who sent my wife cards and, and uh, thank you for uh, uh, your prayers for her. Um, we got a long road uh, ahead of us with her, but uh, uh, at least the pain in her shoulders has been taken care of. So we're thankful for that. So, any any other prayer requests this morning? Yeah. Pray for Ben's family. His sister died this week. Oh, okay. I appreciate prayer. Um, try, my father passed away a couple of weeks ago, and we're trying to. Um, close out his apartment and everything um, and my sister came which was really helpful so um, just prayer that I'll get everything done with his apartment on time and that my sister will be safe as she drives back to Ohio okay <clears throat> Warren would you open us this morning yes. Hello, Father. We have just been through a time where we 
celebrate your resurrection and the fulfillment of the promise of the afterlife with you. And we know that uh, that's to come, but here on earth we have other things that, that happen to each one of us. We know also through that gift that you have given us in your spirit that you have allowed us to come to, to get a glimpse of, of what your heavenly realm would be like. And we know that you're here you know, giving each one of us strength as we go through these trials. We also know that your spirit is with us as we listen to your word. And as we take that word into our hearts, we can emulate your son through uh, through our actions out of the world. We do ask that you be with us as we enjoy your word today. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So I want to do a little bit of a uh, backdrop uh, before we get into this. I think it's important that we go back and uh, uh, look at the individuals we're going to be talking about and see something about them and about their life. Um, the text is Genesis chapter 4, uh, and it's verses 1 through 8. Oh, by the way, just a little bit of an editor's note here. Uh, in number 2, under true righteousness, the first reference, Matthew twenty-three twenty-five. Cross out the 25 and write 35. If you read 25, it will make no sense to you at all. <laughs> Somebody mistyped. <laughs> at any rate. So anyway, uh, into the background, Genesis 4, 1 through 8. Uh, now Adam knew, his wife, uh, knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I've gotten me a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. And in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of his firstborn, of the uh, firstborn of his flock of their fatted portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel's. Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. And the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, you will, you will, uh, if you, if you, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. So we, here we have the beginning. As we go on in this text, we discovered that, uh, that uh, the anger did not get ruled over. The sin overpowered Cain, and Cain killed his brother Abel. Uh, these are the first two human beings ever born on the face of the planet, Cain first and then Abel. Uh, that's, that's the first thing we know about. They're the two, first two. Their parents are Adam and Eve. Now, Adam and Eve are a little bit different from all the rest of us, and they were directly created. Everybody else was born by natural child birth and and uh, and and uh, Adam and Eve lived in the Garden of Eden they were expelled from it because of their sin uh, they lived in the very light of God and they walked personally with God uh, and it's apparent in the text if you read through this text and you go on the rest of the text and God's interaction with Cain God spoke directly to Cain too uh, I, I don't know that he spoke face to face, but the voice of God was directly speaking to Cain. Uh, that's kind of significant uh, when, in light of, of what goes on here. Uh, uh, and they, but, it, but nevertheless, the parents had lived in the very presence of God. Uh, now, they're not listed. Adam and Eve are not listed among the faithful. Uh, the history of both Jewish and Christian uh, thinking is they were redeemed. Uh, it would appear to be that way in the in the way God deals with them, uh, and that they but they're not listed in the the line of faith. Only Abel is the first that is listed. So that that's kind of significant as well. Uh, everyone who came after them, all of their prodigy, all of us, were born sinners. Uh, and, the, and, and, and as a result of that, uh, faith was going to be needed. It was, pro, it, was, it was the promise of Genesis 3.15 that a Redeemer Savior would come. Um, it's, it's not quite clear, but it is generally accepted that when uh, Eve makes the proclamation about having gotten a son, which is incidentally what we think Cain means, gotten. <laughs> That's what it means. Um, it's um, uh, that the language of that day we're not sure of. 
but it's very close to a Hebrew word that means gotten. So that's probably what the, his name means. Uh, he was a farmer by trade. Abel, on the other hand, the second born, was a shepherd by trade. And his name meant breath, vanity, fragility, uh, vapor, or sun. Uh, not quite sure. Once again, this language is, is foreign to just about every, well, to everyone. And uh, they're not quite sure, but it, it would seem that, that probably what Eve is thinking here is something of the fact that life is not all that um, secure, I guess, would be, the, would, would be the idea. Not really sure. The text doesn't tell us. That's one of the problems with this text. One of the problems we're going to have as we go through this text and trying to explain this text is the text tells us a lot, but it doesn't tell us everything. There's a whole lot it doesn't tell us. And a lot of what you read in commentaries is a conjecture on behalf of the commentator and uh, assumptions. And we're going to make a few assumptions this morning, but I'm going to tell you when we do that. So, uh, so it's, it's kind of important that, that you kind of understand that. There's just a lot God didn't feel we needed to know. And the main point he wanted to, to, to drive home here was a man who walked by faith. That's, that's the, well, actually, that's how I'm going to use the title for the next week. So this is a guy who lived by faith or worshiped by faith. Let's put it that way. That's what I said. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, uh, um, and, and incidentally, uh, just as a side note here, in that day, man was a vegetarian. It isn't until post-flood in Genesis 9, 3 through 6, that uh, the necessity of meat to be given to mankind for nourishment uh, was authorized. And so that's not until Genesis 9, uh, 3, 1 through, through 6. That there's a whole section on there. There's also some regulations on how you eat that meat. But, uh, but nevertheless, nevertheless uh, uh, they were vegetarians. So farming was an important uh, trade in that day. It would be very important. You want to eat? Well, you've got to grow vegetables. However, on the other hand, they also raised cattle. It's probably, and this is conjecture, but it's probably true, Adam did both. Uh, they, used, they used the sheep and other cattle as, as covering, and, and uh, probably they used the milk products as well. We don't really know, uh, but that would be, that would be true. They didn't, they didn't kill them for meat, though. They didn't kill them for food. So basically the two sons picked up two sides of the family business. One took the ag. One took the ranching, I guess, or shepherding, I guess. They were probably sheep. Uh, but any rate, at any rate, uh, that's, that's the idea here. That, that, that's, that's the understanding we come into. These guys' sacrifices came out of their occupation. Their offerings came out of their, their occupation. That's, that's pretty much what, what the text is telling us here. Now, we've been going through uh, 1 Timothy uh, for quite a while, and I think you probably noticed that Pastor Steve has brought up a couple of times First Timothy one four about not uh, allowing for myths and speculations. So he, maybe he'll come in and shoot me for doing this, but I'm going to give a couple myths and speculations about about Adam and Eve, just to show you how utterly absurd they were. Now here, these are Jewish. Uh, from the rabbis' writings that they came up with. The first one was that uh, Cain killed Abel over a woman. That's the first thing. This, the myth is this, that every time Eve had, a, had children, she had twins, a boy and a girl, and that she authorized the son to marry the daughter. They did that then. The gene pool was perfect, so there was no... No problems with that. Obviously, they had to do that. There were no other people. And, and, uh, uh, and, and Adam didn't like that plan, and he changed it. Now, how they came up with all this stuff, I have no clue. But Adam changed it and gave Cain's sister to Abel, and it ticked him off, so he killed him. Well, you know, that's kind of the love triangle is the oldest is a, is a pretty old, uh, pretty old uh, idea. But that's one of the speculations. The other one is even a little more far-fetched. Well, I don't know. But anyway, and it's that he killed him over land. Another, you know, another prime motive for, for murder. 
He killed him. Yeah. These are speculations. We're not going to talk about it. You go ask a rabbi. <laughs> Not me. I have no clue. I have absolutely no clue. But here's the other speculation. It was over land. And what the idea was is the two brothers got together in this discussion they had, and they decided, well, since, since you're the farmer, land's important to you, and since I'm the rancher, you know, I just graze my cattle around. So the land belongs to you. So Cain took that to mean he owned the whole earth. And he basically told, told Abel... The world will stop at 5 o'clock and you're to get off. He couldn't be anywhere on the planet, is what he told him. Now, these are absurd. These are the kind of speculations that were brought into this kind of thinking. None of that is true. None of it makes any sense. Uh, But nevertheless, you might actually read that somewhere, because I did. Uh, But anyway, anyway, those are the things. Unlike the speculations that went on about man's origins... Uh, today, there are some things we do see about the pre-flood people that, that, that contradict today's speculations about the origin of man, uh, the, the things that we say happen about man today. First of all, as you go through the pages, as you go through Genesis 4 and into Genesis 5, you find out these things. Early man, the sons of Adam, they domesticated animals. They developed culture and language. They made tools. They made musical instruments. They wrote music. They worked with metal. All of these things happened early on. I mean, the the sons of Cain did a number of these things. They're listed in in chapter, in the balance of chapter four and in the balance of and in chapter five, Um, verses twenty one through twenty two talks about that. In verse 23 through 24, we see the, 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 the degeneration of man in Lamech, who becomes a polygamist, and then decides, hey, if dad can kill somebody, I can kill anybody who bothers me, and admits to killing two people. He becomes the first mass murderer. So we have, we have, that, we have that kind of stuff going on here. And in chapter 5, we have the obituary of Adam's descendants. And if you go through chapter 5, one of the, the marked things about this chapter, probably the words that are used as much as any, uh, starting in verse 4, and he died. And again in verse 8, and he died. And in verse 11, and he died. In verse 14, and he died. Verse 17, and he died. 18, and he died. Then we get to Enoch, and he doesn't die. He's the only one who doesn't. We'll be talking about him next week. And then, But as you go through this text, it goes on and on until we get to Noah, and then it stops talking about death. But, uh, but nevertheless, that's, the, that's, the, that's the, the backdrop of coming into this man, this man Abel. Uh, he was a son of... He was a son of Adam and Eve, second-born son of Adam and Eve, killed by his brother, by his brother, by his brother Cain. And then we, but now we want to look specifically at his life. That's a kind of enough about the background, but we're going to look specifically at his life. Uh, so we want to turn back to Hebrews now, to Hebrews chapter four, or chapter eleven, verse four. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. That's the beginning point here. Uh, the two men bring offerings. Uh, they bring offerings before God. In the case of the one, God accepted it. In the case of the other, he did not. So we have, so, so we have first of all, it says then that Abel, what we're told in chapter 4, verse 4 of Genesis, is that Abel brought the firstborn of his flock, and the fat portions. The Hebrew construction there is that he brought the fattest of his firstborn. The implication is he brought the best that he had. That's the implication here. Don't take that to mean a sacrificial offering with the festive meals where they cook the fat parts as in Leviticus. You can't read that into here. 
This Leviticus hasn't happened yet. <laughs> so you can't read that into here. But, but he's saying he took the best, the very best of his herd is what he offered. That's what he offered. Now, it speaks in verse 3 of Cain's offering. He says he offered the fruit of the ground. It's a general term. It doesn't say he offered the first fruits. It says he just brought some of his produce. That's what it says. So the comparison of the two gifts is one is the very best, and the one is he brought some of what he had. That's, that's literally what he's, what he's telling us here. Uh, <clears throat> now, it would appear, as, as we look at this text, that, that God has opened a new way for man to come to him. Before Adam and Eve walked openly, and then we have the, the, uh, the disaster of chapter 3, where they, where they, uh, uh, where they uh, sin against God, and, and that fellowship is broken. And this is the first recorded record here of human beings worshiping God. It's, it's the first recorded uh, happening. We don't know if it happened before it. That's speculative, but it's the first recorded. Genesis four uh, twenty six uh, tells us that after Seth is born and his prodigy, that man began to call upon God. So worship became more frequent apparently uh, after after this time. And it's apparent here too that bringing an offering was an appropriate means of worship. There's no, there's no uh, dispurgement of bringing the offerings. And then it's also apparent from the text here, from what it says, uh, that there was a place, because both of these men showed up at the same place. They didn't just go out in the backyard. They, they went someplace. We're not told where. Now, I think it's kind of reasonable to assume it was probably somewhere around the entrance to the garden where the first sacrifice was ever made. But that's speculative. We don't, we don't know that. Uh, Genesis 3.21. But both brothers came to the same place. It's reasonable to assume that they didn't live real, real close to each other. I don't really think farmers want cattle walking through their crops. You know, I, I really don't think that would happen. Uh, we had a neighbor behind us, not behind us, he was kind of behind us in Caddy Corner, and he had all kinds of animals in his backyard, and he didn't take care of the fences. And uh, uh, one morning, my ne- next-door neighbor called me up screaming for help because her husband goes to work at like 4 o'clock in the morning. And I went over there, and this guy's goats were in her backyard eating her backyard, you know. So I kind of think, I kind of think, Cain would not be too inclined to live too close to Abel, you know. It's probably, they didn't, they didn't live too close to each other. So there was a place that the two of them met to bring these offerings. Secondly, they both showed up at the same time, so there was a time, apparently, that this offering should be, uh, should be, uh, should be offered. Now, the, the text in Genesis helps us with this because it says, in the course of time, uh, in the course of time, literally at the end of days, meaning that there was a specific time period, and at the conclusion of that time period, these two brothers came to a place to offer sacrifices. That's, that's what this is saying to us. Uh, there was a, a place and a time. And then we're told that Abel's offering God had regard for, and for Cain's he did not. Uh, regard, uh, regard here. It's not told. We're not told. What we're not told here is how God showed that regard. We don't know if an audible voice of God says, "This is acceptable to me," and take yours home. We don't. We don't know that. Um, most uh, most of the people I looked at, they suggest that. Fire came down and consumed Abel's offering. Uh, we don't know that. The text doesn't tell us that. Now, that's, that was typical in Leviticus uh, 9.24 and 1 Kings 8.38. Those kind of events happened when God accepted 
uh, a specific offering. Uh, that may be, it may not be. It's speculative. We don't know. Uh, we don't know how he showed that uh, idea. And then, he, and then we also don't know how he, how he showed no regard for, for, for Cain's. Uh, other than the text just tells us that's the case. So there must have been a way of worship as well. Uh, that's, we can take that from the text too. There must have been a way to worship. Uh, we don't know how, the, we don't know the place, the time or the way were communicated to, the, to them. Uh, possibility is they were taught it by Adam. He may have had some input into this. Their parents may have may have, have have taught them. Secondly, it may have been by direct revelation, just as we saw in Genesis four nine nine and following. Then the Lord said to Cain, He spoke directly, and later on in the text, He'll speak to him again. The point is, they knew where to go, they knew when to go, and apparently, they knew they were to bring sacrifices. Those things we can, I think, reasonably assume from the text. Now, the big issue that comes up, and this is the issue that runs throughout all the commentaries, is the difference blood. Is it because one was a blood sacrifice and one was not? Uh, That, the text doesn't say. It really doesn't tell us that. Uh, The first sacrifice that was ever made was made by God himself in Genesis 3.21, and he where he slaughtered an animal to make a covering for the man and the woman. And uh, uh, that at least prefigures uh, any sacrifices that might follow. Grain was an acceptable thanksgiving offering in the time of the law, were before the law. Uh, so it's reasonable to assume that, a thank, that a, the, the product of what he did uh, his his occupation might be a reasonable offering to bring before God. There's no command to sacrifice, nor is sin mentioned until after the offerings in Genesis four. There's no there's no mention of sin, even though these men are of course born under sin. There's no, there's no mention of those things, so the text doesn't specifically give us any information to this. We also know that. The offerings for sin have a progressive nature. It started just as Scripture has a progressive nature, and we're very early in the Scriptures. Um, we don't know the extent of the light these people had, uh, but uh, obviously God still spoke to them. Uh, but here we have we have uh, the progressive nature. At one time there was one lamb for one man. There was then one lamb for one family, the Passover. The one lamb for the nation, the Day of Atonement. And currently there was one lamb for all of mankind, Christ. So there's a progressive nature to, to sacrifice as well. The issue, but the issue, according to the book of Hebrews and the author of Hebrews, is faith. That's the issue here. Uh, because the book here, what we're told here is, by faith, offer to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. Even here it doesn't tell us what the nature of the sacrifice meant, uh, whether it was because it was blood, because it wasn't. It doesn't, it doesn't say. It just says, because Abel came in faith. So I think what we, we can conclude from that is, is Cain came believing in God. A lot of people believe in God. How many people have told you, I believe in God? You know, you've heard that all the time. But the difference is, Abel came believing God. And there's a big difference. And what the text here tells us is, Abel was a believer in God and believed in doing God, doing things God's way and with his whole heart and, 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 and was accepted because of that. Abel's offering was the best that he had to offer. It was the firstborn of his flock with the fat portions, the fattest, literally the fattest, meaning it was the best. Kylan Delage, who don't believe blood had anything to do with it, but yet they make this comment. They say, this choice shows clearly that it was a pious feeling through which the worshiper put his heart, as it were, into the gift which made the offering acceptable to God while carrying 
the germ of that substitutionary meaning of sacrifice. He's saying it set up the stage for what sacrifice would be in, in the future. Abel's offering came from the heart. Cain's was just simply saying thank you. The offering of the first fruits of the ground he didn't bring. He just brought an offering. That's all he did. And what we see is a result of Cain's activity is we see the list of all the degeneration of mankind, specifically his son Lamech, who set the set the tone, who basically said Cain was justified in killing one man. He said he was justified in it. He says, so I, I'm justified in killing a man and a boy because they bo- because they basically because they bothered me. You know, they they harmed me in some way. Basically, they were people who said we'll come to God on our own terms. And God says, no, you'll come on my terms. Acts, chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Or, excuse me, 12. I can't read my own writing. And there is salvation in no one else other than under, there, in, there is no one else, for there is a, no other name under heaven among, among men by which you must be saved. And that's, that's the issue here. The first issue is it was true worship because because Abel came in faith, believing God. That's what he did. Secondly, secondly, we're told that he he demonstrated true righteousness as we continue reading in chapter in in verse four through which which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gift. So here's the second part. He says that God commended him as righteous. That's a very specific term. Uh, he attributed to Abel righteousness, just as you have had righteousness attributed to you. This means that uh, this means that uh, we're looking at a man who is justified, who is sanctified, who is an accepted person, attested to. Uh, by the acceptance of his offering. Uh, in other words, what we're saying here is God recognized this man as a believer, as a true believer. And it says he had regard. He had regard for Abel and his offering. Abel was commended as righteous by accepting of his gift. It's saying that this was a man of true faith, of righteousness. Matthew 3, the one I missed quoted miss matthew three uh matthew chapter three uh twenty three verse thirty five Jesus called Abel righteous he says Abel righteous that's what he he speaks of him and in in hebrews twenty four tw- or twelve twenty four And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkling of blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. In other words, he's saying Jesus is above Abel, but nevertheless it points out Abel once again as as one who speaks of of this sanctification, of this justification, of of an accepted person before God. Commended is a word that, uh, uh, that simply means to bring witness, approval, uh, or to be well spoken of, and incidentally, both in both, it's the same word and commended as righteous and commending him. Uh, both, it's the same word. It, it basically, what it is saying is, he God is bearing witness that Abel is a righteous man. That's that's what this text is saying, and in so doing, he accepted his gift, and the acceptance of his gift was that. Was was the symbol of that that commending? He he made his approval known. That's what the idea here is. God made his approval of of Abel known. He approved of him. He approved of his gift. He approved of the way he brought it. He approved of everything about it. And whether it was uh, whether it was whether it was through whether this condemnation uh, condemnation. Anyway, commending of him <laughs> was through was through fire or whether it was an audible voice, which we're not told. God made it known. 
He's made it known to all of us because it was written here. Now, both men were born sinners, but Abel presented his sacrifice in obedience of faith, and it was accepted. Cain did not, and it was rejected. That's all we can really draw from this. Uh, we We can't read a whole bunch of other things into it, although I personally believe it had to do with blood, but nevertheless... Nevertheless, nevertheless, that's, that's the idea here. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace are you saved, through faith, that not of yourself, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And that seems to be the, uh, uh, what is applicable here as well. Abel exercised faith. Cain did not. That's, that's the bottom line in this text. And then, then finally it says that he offered a true witness. In Genesis 4.10, God asked Abel, what have you done? That's what he says to him. He says, what have you done? And then the Lord said to Cain, where's your brother Abel? And he said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Oh, by the way, the answer to that question is yes. Uh, uh, He says, am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? You understand the first thing he did was lie. He denied. I don't know where he is. He knew full well where he was. I, I have to tell you, I just, this is one of those idiot flashes that popped into your head reading this right now. Can you imagine that? Just stop for a minute. Picture this. He killed his brother, who's laying there dead somewhere. And God Almighty says to you, where is your brother? And you say to him, I don't know. Really? (laughs) Just picture that in your mind for a minute. He says, I don't know where he is. Am I my brother's keeper? And he says, what have you done? He doesn't wait for him to lie again. He tells him what he's done. He says, the voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. And look at what his response is. Oh, my Lord God, I've sinned, and he falls on his knees. No, he goes, oh, the punishment is too harsh. It's not fair. This is not a man of faith. This kind of points out the kind of man he was. He says, the punishment is too great to bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground and away from the face Face, I shall be hidden, I shall be a fugitive, I shall be a wonder of the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. He's also thinking now, all of my relatives are going to be just like me and come after me. You understand that nobody else on the earth was around except for his relatives. They're going to, they're going to come after me. And he goes, you know, and basically what this is saying here is you spent, you spilt innocent blood on the ground, so God makes another curse on him toward the ground that he spilt the blood on and says, it's, you're going to have even a harder time growing crops. And basically he becomes a wanderer and a vagabond the rest of his life and his family travels from there on. But that's, that's, that's the idea. But, but do you, you see the nature of this guy? The nature of this guy is one of lying, covering up, And when he's finally fully confronted, does he repent? No, he complains about the punishment. I think that goes on in courtrooms constantly. <laughs> but at any rate, that's, that's the idea here. Uh, Genesis 4, 11, and 12, he, he cursed. He reminded, he reminded Cain the remainder of Cain's life he's going to remember. And, and this is the witness that we're talking about here. Because what the text goes on to tell us in Hebrews, what the text goes on to tell us in Hebrews is this. He says, 
And, th- and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. So for Cain, his punishment is Abel continuing to speak. But that's not the whole of it here. He speaks to later generations. He speaks to all of us. That's what it's saying here. Because he is the first in this line of the cloud of witnesses of Hebrews 12.1 who tells us what it is to live by faith. What it is to live by faith is to worship God in truth. What it is to live by faith is to worship God in the righteousness he, 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 that he is and he calls for. It is to give a true witness of who God is. All of these things are a part of worshiping God. And they are what Abel speaks to us about. Abel says, man comes to God by faith, Hebrews 11.6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he, that he exists and he is the rewarder of those who seek him. Abel was one of those men, and that's what he's, he's telling us here. Uh, Abel speaks to us that we come to God in faith. Uh, Abel is also telling us that we don't come by our own means, but we come by God's way. Titus chapter 3, verses 5 through 7. He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. He tells us that we come to God, that, that, that Abel speaks to us saying that man must believe and obey God's revelation. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 16 Chapter 3, verse 16, excuse me. All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching and for reproof, for correction, and for the training in righteousness that the man of God might be made complete, equipped for every good work. Uh, These are the things that his blood speaks out to us from the ground even today. And finally, he declares to us, he declares to us, but my righteous one shall live by faith. That's, that's, what, that's what Abel, Abel declares to us. Uh, Abel was a man who lived early in the history of mankind. He was the second man ever born on the planet. And he wholeheartedly believed in God and put his faith in God. And God says he speaks to us today. Any comments or questions this morning? I got done early. Yeah. I think I, think I heard you say at the beginning that the early, the early, early people were vegetarians. Yep. And how, how do we know that? And do we know when people did start consuming? Genesis 9. Okay. After the flood. After the flood. Yeah, okay. Genesis 9. Yep, wrong book. Genesis chapter 9. Because you, you go, what were Adam and Eve given to eat? It was the fruit of the garden. Mm-hmm. And that remained. The, you'll live by the fruit of your hand. Okay. There's no place about eating the animals. Okay. And then in Genesis, oh, it's in here somewhere. Genesis chapter 9. I wrote it down. Uh, what are the verses? Uh, verse 3. Genesis chapter 9, verse, verse 3. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And as I give you the as and as I have given you the green plants, I give you everything. But you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. And for your lifeblood, I will require a reckoning from every beast. And well, it goes on. But it's basically, this is where man was given meat to eat. It's after the flood. Generally, the concept is, I mean, we can't exactly prove this but the concept is the world prior to the flood because there's no mention of rain prior to the flood but it appears from what we can pull from scripture is that the world was basically a big uh, 
terrarium. Yeah, that would be a good that would be a good word. I was looking I was looking for rainforest, but terrarium. But it didn't rain, so that's not a good word. Uh, but but it, but it was surrounded by a a, a great uh, amount of water because that's that's and it protected the earth. Yeah. What? Huh? Oh, okay. Anyway, it, and, it, and it protected the earth. It, it put a protective barrier around it. You, look at how long these people lived. 800, 900 years. You know, the effects, of course, that also has the degeneration of mankind and the destruction of the gene pool and all the other stuff that went on. But, but nevertheless, uh, the, the corruption of sin. Uh, but uh, but this, this protected, you know, they probably didn't get sunburned. You know, they probably didn't get a lot of the things that we get get today uh, because of this protective barrier. What you have in the flood, if you read the flood carefully, there's, there's a number of things that happen. The atmosphere collapses. That's the rain. Massive seismic activity takes place. That's what they now, that's what his group of people call the continental shifts. Uh-huh. You know, uh, the world changed. And the, the, all the underground water broke loose that had been contained in Genesis 1. If you take Genesis 1 and you take Genesis 6 and you put them side by side, what you see is the undoing of the creative order from Genesis 1 and Genesis 6. That's what God did. He released everything. He released all the, all the, the he released the tahom, the deep. Uh, so that all of this collapsed. So we have a whole different environmental structure when Noah came out of the ark. And at that point, and probably in that day, because they hadn't invented tofu yet, you know, and, and all the other stuff, uh, the, the uh, mankind wouldn't survive without the protein. Mm. From, the plants yeah, there wouldn't, there wouldn't be enough. Yeah, they had to have meat. And, and so... And, you, and you, all, you also notice that it was somewhat unrestricted. He said everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't. There was no kosher yet. It just said no blood. Get the blood out of it. Don't eat meat with blood in it. So, 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 yeah. So that kind of hits home for those of us who were raised by Texans, and you just pass the steak over the fire twice. You know. But hey. hey, hey. Uh, but 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 uh, uh, but at any rate, but at, but at any rate, that's that's the issue here, and that's probably the scenario that 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 took place. We're not given specific details on that, but we're given enough detail. If you look at you look at Genesis one, and you look at how the creation came about, and you look at Genesis six, and you basically God did this yeah. <laughs> and untied it, uh, you know. He's going to do it again a different way, but that way he did it then. What was your... What were your, your well, uh, yeah, it's totally different. But I think it's really interesting that, um, of course, we know God walked and talked with Adam and Eve. Uh, God talked with their kids. God talked with them. They, they were not surprised. And this is like 20 or 30 years. At least. God has been talking to these people, mm-hmm. whatever. And he continues talking. I think he continued talking like in Enoch. He kept, yeah. you know, he says, get closer here. Come on home with me, whatever. Yep. Until, like you say, the flood, everything changed. And probably still <laughs> more in the Old Testament until we have the word. He doesn't talk today. Yeah, he doesn't have to. We, we, yeah. But, uh, I think it's just interesting that Cain was not surprised God was talking to him. He was just yeah, it was just normal. Back to him. Yeah, back to the Creator. Yeah, I know. I, I, well, wow. you know, every time every time we sin, that's what we do. But nevertheless, we talk back to the Creator. <laughs> you know, that's what you, you understand. You you do realize that the the only person who who willfully sins. Are us believers? Yeah, we know better. Yeah, we know better. And when we do it, we're sticking our fist in the face of God and saying, "I will not." That's what we're doing. 
Yeah, she didn't have any. There's no surprise. I mean, there was no surprise talking to the snake. Bail to the top. Yeah. Yeah, a donkey talking, a snake talking. Well, of course, some of these animal people today think their animals talk to them. Well, mine does. Well, mine doesn't speak to me, but he has me trained. Yes. Kind of stood out to me today that um, just like the great faith verse we have from Ephesians two eight and nine, verse ten right after that is about the good works that naturally follow because yeah. the faith that originates from God. Yeah, so it, Abel's the first example of that too. That he had genuine faith, which proves itself in a genuine work. That's excellent. That's an excellent point. <laughs> Jeez, I missed that too. That's a good point. <laughs> and I, you know, I tell people. Read two, eight, nine first, but don't forget ten. Yeah. You know, don't forget ten, because ten is the proof of it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. What I find interesting is God's justice. Cain killed Abel. It is took Abel's life, but God did not take Cain's life. No, and He actually protected he, him from being killed. He took away from him his ability. To produce, he was a farmer. He took his, made sure the land would never produce for him again. Yeah. Now, now that is a justice that is just, um, even worse than killing him because he's going to live the rest of his life not being Scrounging. able to produce something again. Yeah. I thought that's really anyway. Interesting, well, now we've eaten up the time, so we we'll <laughs> close. Lord God, we thank you as we've looked at this text. And we, we just ask, Lord, that we would, um, as we go through these men and women, uh, that you have marked out for us as examples of what it means to, uh, to, to walk and to live in faith and to worship you in faith, that we would, uh, uh, we would, we would conform to that, that we would, uh, that would be our life, that we would be people who are commended for our faith. And, Lord, we know that uh, without faith there is no pleasing you. So we just come to you today, and we just ask that uh, you would make our faith even stronger and, uh, and build us up in that faith that we might demonstrate the power of your name and, uh, to those around us, that they might be drawn to you, that we might be that reflector of your grace and your mercy. And we, just, uh, we thank you for Abel and the example he is to us. And we just ask, Lord, now that as we, uh, as we leave this room and we, we go into our morning worship service, that it would be a time in which you are glorified greatly and your name is lifted and praised and that uh, there might be those who hear the message this morning and come to you in faith as well. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.